No better way to start your Tuesday than with Bones and Brad. I'm Brad, he's Bones, and this is Locked on Syracuse and Bones. We're going to talk about Syracuse basketball here. What's more likely? We're going to tell you and draw some hypotheticals here on Locked on Syracuse. Let's do it. Our Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, Locked On Syracuse is your first listen every day, and we applaud your decision there, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brian Klein. He's Matt Bonaparte. And Bones, enough with reality here. Let's let's take a step back in that sense, and we're going to talk a little bit about some hypotheticals for Syracuse basketball. Are you ready? I'm ready, man. But before we get into that, Brad, you almost forgot that this – this is brought to you by an amazing selection at reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Tell me. I'm sorry, Rock Auto. I, you uh, got to get mean... your brain together, Brad, because we're about to play a fun game. It's game time on Lockdown yeah, Syracuse today. All right. So the game is what's more likely. And we're going to give you two different situation scenarios. And you're just going to tell me what you think is more likely. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Okay. So the first one, Kadir Copeland for Syracuse basketball, incoming freshman, three-star or four-star, depending on where you look. Kadir Copeland to start two years or Judah Mintz, the crown jewel of the class going one and done. This is an interesting one because if Judamans doesn't go one and done, it hurts Quidier's chances at, at starting two years. Um, but I'm going to say it's it's Copeland starting two years because Gerard's going to be out the door and Simer will be out the door soon enough, um, and he'll have two years. And I also think he's going to redshirt this season probably. Um, so I think Quidier Copeland will have at least his junior and senior season to just have the team and, and as his own. It's interesting because. I am I'm not I'm going to disagree with you mostly because there are a lot of variables here that you're not thinking of which is what's coming in the class of 2023 and what's coming in 24 you just don't know but Judah Mintz has is controlling his own destiny in this sense he plays well he's gone and the funny thing is nowadays with his hype he doesn't even have to play out of this world to be a one and done I'm not saying that I think he's got to he be good he's going He's got to be good, and I think he will be good. I'm not saying that he's going to play to the point where I think he should declare for the draft, but I think he will declare for the draft, and that's the the level at which I think he's going to play. So we just so what's the last that's okay. one and done Syracuse has had Malachi Richardson. Malachi Richardson. Yeah. So and and that was an ill advised one and done as well. But we yeah, he should you stayed. know what we live in a different world than we did in 2016. It's just it's different, and and on one hand there's a bigger incentive to stay with NIL on the other Judah Mintz is a highly rated recruit higher than Malachi Richardson. The hype is real. And for those guys coming in, they are only intending for it to be a one-stop shop. Meanwhile, and let's not, let's not forget the other part of this. While it may never have, there may never have been a better time to be a college player. There's also never been a better time to transfer 
and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but for Kadir Copeland to start two years for Syracuse, he can't transfer. And I don't think either one of us think that he's going to play a whole lot this year because the guards. No, he's not going to play this year. So he's not going to play this year unless he beats so somebody he's not out of play camp. This year, there's a possibility he transfers. It's not right. But sure. It's reality. I guess that's true, but I also think that they're going to do whatever they can to keep him around because what I've heard about this guy uh, is that he's kind of perfect for SU zone and he's an underrated recruit. From what I've heard is he's a lot better than a three-star rating that 24-7 gives him. Uh, so I think Syracuse is going to do what they can to keep him around. Obviously, that, that doesn't usually – or that doesn't always keep the player around. Quincy Garrier, uh, Robert Braswell, the whole lot. You can go down on all the names. Um, but I think this kid's good, and I think that if he does stick around, he'll almost assuredly start two years. And I don't know necessarily that Judamins is going to come in and be good enough to be a one-and-done just because he's ranked 34th overall on Paul Biancardi's list. Hey, maybe maybe he does start two years, but if somehow another one of Jim Beheim's kids gets on the team, then uh, <laughs> I'm not counting on a, a long guard that is producing to actually start for this team. So it's a... Uh, I don't think Bayheim has any more offspring in the cooker, but who knows, right? All right, so Syracuse basketball, we're thinking that we're disagreeing here about Judah Mintz and Kadir Copeland. We move on now. I actually really like this one. Benny Williams and Samir Torrance, two different positions. We get it, but they both played a very similar role in terms of minutes per game. Benny at nearly 12 and Samir last year at 13. So who's more likely to, pay, to play 20 minutes a game, Benny or Samir? It's a tough one because they both have kind of similar competition in that there are a lot of wings, but the guard position, uh, you've got Joe and you've got Judah. There are reasons to say Benny. There are reasons to say Samir because Benny's supposed to be the guy that's going to come in and be good. And he wasn't last year and he's going to grow whatever. He's probably going to have a good shot at a starting role to at least begin the year. But for Samir, it's that, if Judamitz or if Judamitz isn't on the floor, it's going to be Samir Torrance on the floor, um, probably. So I'm going to say Samir here. If Torrance on the floor, it's probably Samir Torrance. Mm, it could be Justin Taylor. I could see it that could world. Be, but we'll see um, what kind of role he plays because he might be a three in addition to a two. So he might be needed at the small forward depending sure. on how well Bunch or Benny plays. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Saimir because I know that Bayheim knows he can play. So, and I think, I mean, we both thought before the podcast, I'm inside baseball, we both thought that he already averaged up around that number. So yeah. he, he finished last year averaging a shade over 13 minutes a game. Uh, I think that he'll probably average around 20 at least, if not 20 this year. See, see, to me, though, I'm thinking it's Benny Williams here because Syracuse has so much more invested in Benny Williams. He was their only recruit. Last I don't think they care at all. They have to care. They, they don't have to care. care. They just have they have they the greatest recruiting class of all time coming in, according see, to Beheim. They don't care Torrance's at all. Samir Torrance's role is going to be very defined. He is the backup guard if and when ben, point guard, if and when Judah Mintz can't handle the pressure and I'm not talking about emotional pressure I'm mostly talking about pressure as in full core press and that's what Samir Torrance was trying to do last year he was probably the best on the team at doesn't mean he was very good but that's going to be his role he's a ball handler think about his limitations as a player he can't shoot doesn't mean that Benny's an especially good shooter 
Um, his passing was good, but really at least proven in some way. Benny's but never he, played yes, well. He is. He is proven. But think about. Think about the other thing is I think that Benny's going to elevate his game, his athleticism, and the. It's way easy to say that, working. but you got to see it, and it has to actually happen yeah. for and and for Bayheim, it. it can't just happen one game. It's going to have to be a few games where Benny proves himself to have a role on this team. And is there a role carved out for him potentially? But he still has to earn it, and Simeir kind of already Sy- has Sy- one Sy-Mir's here. Simeir's role is re- almost restricting on him. He is the backup point guard, but Benny can fill in on either side of the zone as a wing. And I think that allows him a lot of flexibility here because you mentioned before that they both have competition at their positions. Well, Benny's competition can be defined differently. You've got Justin Taylor potentially sharing time at the three, but if that happens, then Benny can move over to the four. Okay. Chris Bunch as well, but then Benny can also uh, do duel there. So I like that about Benny's chances to play more than Samir Torrance. Here's my other thing. Judimins is, is, I think, likely way more talented than Samir Torrance is. Of course, we haven't seen him play at the college level, but he's a highly touted prospect. He's supposed to be able to do everything. They call him a mid-range maestro. He can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass, the whole lot. This kid's good. Um, if Beheim doesn't trust him, he doesn't have to start him day one. That, that's a real possibility. I know everybody's chalking him up as the day one starter, but if Beheim doesn't trust a freshman, he doesn't have to start him. There's no way that they'll start him if he doesn't trust him 100%. And he saw Simeon Torrance play the one against Duke for 40 minutes in the ACC tournament and saw him play really well with Joe Girard in that backcourt, and he liked that, and everybody hey, liked he that. He also saw Benny Williams shine against Duke at home, granted a lot of that For was five time. seconds. A lot of it, no, no, not just five seconds. He was pretty good for at least ten minutes, if not fifteen. And he showed All right. legit in a game I that didn't matter. Flash, yeah, I get it. But he's shown his ability. Now it's a time. Now it's time for him to show his ability to sustain it. I don't know if he can, but I think he's going to be given the opportunity to at least try. Uh, but let's take a, a time out here because I have to tell you a little bit about Built Bar here. Built Bars are unbelievable. They're helping me shred the weight thanks to the chewy, chocolatey brownie. Who knew that a chewy, chocolatey brownie, caramel brownie, caramel swirl on top, so good. It would actually help me lose weight. The best part, caramel brownie bars covered in 100% real chocolate, like for real. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice taste for health. You can have both. And all of Built Bars are built with 100% collagen protein. Your body absorbs it more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say that the caramel brownie will rock your world. That's an, that's not even an, an understatement. The offer is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. Uh, Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein, 
Still with you here on Locked On Syracuse on your Tuesday episode. Uh, we're playing a little game of what's more likely. Brad and I are running through a little uh, gauntlet of scenarios, and we'll continue here. Uh, next one up, Brad, is will Jesse Edwards go first team all ACC this season, or will one of the freshmen win ACC Freshman of the Year? I'm going to lean towards first team all ACC for Jesse Edwards. And I, that means I he's better than Armando Baycott. Yeah, I, I understand what I'm saying. But the thing is, that's the easy thought process. Armando Baycott versus Jesse Edwards. But you have to be thinking about guys like Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead and guys like, honestly, Kyle Filipowski. All freshmen for Duke, all top 10 in the recruit, recruiting rankings for 2021, all going up against guys who are not recruited as heavily for Syracuse, right? So do I think that Judah Mintz is going to outplay Derek Lively? No, I, I don't. And they're different players, but that's, that's a tough ask. I think Jesse Edwards is more likely to outperform one guy than, say, Judah Mintz more likely to outperform three or four or five. Yeah, this one is one of those where probably both are unlikely. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think that the, the ACC continues to just be stacked with young talent, uh, with the Blue Bloods that are in this conference in terms of UNC and Duke and just so much talent uh, in the freshman classes across the conference just rushing in. five freshmen in the ACC that were ranked higher than Judah Mintz. And he's yeah, the highest recruit in the class of 2022. Hey, it just means that there are a lot of good players out there. That's not an indictment on Judah Mintz. It just means that the competition is fiercer than you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do I think that Armando Baycott is going to be outplayed by Jesse Edwards? I don't, but Jesse Edwards could be really good. If you go back to an episode a couple of days ago where we were talking about who needs to step up the most, Jesse Edwards doesn't need to step up the most, but if he did, it would make an insane impact if he took a huge step up and he just turned into an elite big man. Um, he was great last year. Bayheim called him top 10% in the nation. I don't know if I agree with that, uh, but if he went out there and was just a dog every single night, I mean, crazy difference for Syracuse. Uh, so we both agree there, Brad, for the first time this episode. Next up, Mark the does Joe Girard hit 100 threes? This season, he hit 89 last year. Or does Jesse Edwards grab 200 rebounds? He grabbed 156 last season, but only played 24 games. He was on pace to get 214 if he played all 33 games. All right. So on one hand, Jesse feels like the easy choice because he missed a lot of time and he would have had it had he not gotten hurt. But Gerard had a couple of games where he just disappeared. And as a senior happens every time natural happens team, every year, it does man. happen every time. The question is, do I think that's going to happen at all or as much as it did last year with another year under his belt as a senior, as a leader in his natural position? I think the answer is no. So I'm going to well, then you're a fool. Joe, well, hold on. Let me explain it here. Joe Girard more likely to pick up 100 threes. Now think about what's around him. Judah Mintz, we're told can shoot, but it's not the best part of his game. Chris Bunch can shoot, but is he really going to be asked to shoot? You don't have Buddy Beheim anymore, and he came close with Buddy on the team playing next to him for every game except for one, and that was the finale. 
if he can get close with Buddy, he's going to get more shots, especially from beyond the arc. Syracuse needs him to get 100 threes. Brad, I call you a fool because you think that there will be games that you don't think there'll be games that he's going to disappear. That guy is well, going no, to disappear. That, I'm not saying that he's not going to disappear. I'm saying that he's less likely to disappear and thus it will happen less. I don't know. I, 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 Joe Girard is one of the streakiest guys in the league. I mean, he just is. He just will show up some days and be Jerry McNamara. And then other days will just be nobody. And you can never predict it. You have no idea what kind of night Joe Girard's going to have. But when he's on, he's on and he shuts up the haters and you got to respect him for that. I don't know if I can say that the propensity of those games is going to go down this season. But I can say that Jesse Edwards is going to be on the block snatching rebounds pretty much every game as long as he's healthy, which is the only thing. That's the only stipulation here is if Jesse Edwards gets hurt, he's not going to hit that number. Um, Joe Girard is going to just be hucking all season long. If Joe gets hurt, he's not going to hit his number either. We can't really take injuries. That's true, but he doesn't get hurt very often. Who's going to shoot? I mean, Justin Taylor's a freshman, so you don't know what he's going to be. Remember what Buddy Beheim was as a freshman? Yes, I do. Remember how long it took? For him to really find his well, he wasn't very good freshman year. Stroke. He wasn't very good at all freshman year, but especially in the beginning, I mean, he was awful. Am I actually counting on Justin Taylor? First game, what do you go like over twelve? Oh, it was ridiculous. I'm gonna look it up while shooting. you talk. I don't think anyone was now. even mad at him for keeping on for continuing to shoot, considering his last name is Beheim. But the bottom line is one for eleven. Okay. Joe Girard is the only guy on the roster that Syracuse can absolutely count on to hit his threes at a, statistically speaking, for the season, consistent level. Now, he might taper off for a game here. That's the, that's the, the, that's true right now, but game three, that could totally be different. It could be. And you you know that Jesse Edwards is going to be rebounding the ball, and there's probably nobody else who's going to be doing it. We know that he's going to be rebounding the ball, but at the same time, with the rise in threes, long rebounds, those guards are going to be picking up more rebounds. I mean, don't forget, Edwards wasn't even the leading rebounder on this team last year. It was Cole Swider. So That's accurate. It's, just, it's one true. of those things. So I, I do think that Edwards is going to have a fantastic season. I just said he's more likely to be a first-team All-ACC player than anyone on the freshman class is to be freshman of the year. It's because I believe in Jesse Edwards. But there is a ceiling and there is a necessity for Syracuse basketball right now for Gerard to hit threes. All right, well, I'm still taking Jesse there. Um, another Gerard versus Jesse here. Kind of similar. Uh, so we might just run through this one. What's more likely that Joe averages 30 points per game or that Jesse averages a double-double? Probably a double-double, right? Double-double's got to be, right? Game. 30 yeah, points per game would be insane. 30 points per game. I should have made this 25 that... points per game. All right, I'm audibling. Yeah. Now it's 25 points per game. I st- Still crazy. I just don't know if Jesse's going to be able to get 10. Re- I-, I think the answer kind of has to be Jesse because I think that there's no world in which Joe's putting up 25 a game. But Jesse's – that's still a, a high number of rebounds. I mean, 10 – he had 6.5 last year. It's a good question. Nah, just nah. It definitely the double double. It, Joe, it has to be Jesse. There's no yeah, shot he's scoring yeah, twenty five. Nah, All right. I think I was overthinking it. No way. 
Next one, uh, Peter Carey plays behind Munir Hima as the third string center, or John Bull as Jacques does. I think that there's a chance that Carey redshirts, so I almost want to Taking say... that out of there. We're taking a Carey redshirt out of the equation. Okay, that's that's hard to do, I, I, I guess. Well, I'm doing it. It's uh, been done. All right. I'm still going to say John Bull and Jacques, and here's why. That's insane. You think it's insane because he's moved on from center and he's a forward now. And, he and he's been successful as a forward. He has been successful. He was the best defensive forward on the team last year. I'm not disputing that. But he was the best defensive forward on the team because he needed to be the best defensive forward on the team. That need is not going to exist this year. Chris Bunch can't be worse than Cole Swider on the wing of the zone. Benny Williams with another he could. year in the system. Ouch. I, I saw him bad, bad last year, man. He looked lost last season. He was bad. I mean, think about this. Jimmy Beheim maybe put an asterisk next to him because his last name is Beheim and Cole Swider both asked to perform at a high level their first year in the program in the zone. Elijah Hughes had a year to think about it, and that helped him immensely. Benny Williams had a year to think about it. Let's see what happens. So now Syracuse doesn't need a jock to swoop in and play a different position. I think, hopefully, for his sake, he can actually go back to the five. Now, we're only talking about a couple minutes a game here, really nothing. But just for good measure, I think he's more likely to play the carry. Okay, uh, I think that's fair, but I just don't think that John Bullock plays the five, so I'm gonna go carry. Um, if John Bullock wants to play the five, he might have to bulk up, and maybe he does that with our friends at Built Bar. Brad, don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie bar? I mean, come on, look at that puff you're holding up right there. Uh, listen, what about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on the top? So good what if i told you that you can have all that chewy chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein you're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at built.com right now and you gotta act fast because they're a fan favorite forget about dessert these are better than dessert plus the macros are unreal if you're into that 130 calories 17 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar i would replace a regular brownie with built's caramel brownie bar in a heartbeat. The best part, caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, not that fake stuff, like for real. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. And all of Built bars are made with a collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons that you should try Built bars, but for now, let's just say that the caramel brownie will rock your world. And that's not an understatement with built tasty is the new healthy go to built.com to get your box of caramel brownie bars right now and go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, bone. So we continue with what's more likely coming down the home stretch here of the show. And I ask you this, let's go macro here. Because Syracuse was an awful defense, one of the worst in the Power Five. Their offense was actually pretty decent. So what's more likely? The team offense is in the top 50 in the nation. The team defense is in the top 50, rather top 150 in the nation. So last year, right, 
the, it was an insane difference to what Syracuse normally was. Syracuse has been just bred on defense for so long in the in the 2-3 zone and whatnot. Last year, they ranked 314th in terms of team defense out of 358 teams. That's really bad. Um, on the offensive end of things, they were 36th in the nation. I think there's a good chance that they do neither of these things. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to say the offense, because I think that if anything, Jim Beheim will realize that with so many young people and new faces coming in, it's going to be hard to teach everybody the zone. Uh, I don't think the defense is going to be as bad as it was last year, just because you have so many more bodies that are going to work with the zone. But I do think uh, that the offense will have a chance to continue what it did last season and, and outscore some teams a lot, a lot of nights. So uh, I'm going to take the offense to be top 50 here instead of the defense to be top 150. I agree. I, Joe Girard is still your start is still starting guard. So you're still at the top of the zone and that's still going to be brutal for your defense. I will say it's going to be interesting to see. We don't really know all the facts here. We don't know how much man defense they're going to play. And Bayheim has been relatively outspoken about that being a part of their actual system not just a little uh, ploy at the end of the year like it was last season. But well, he said he's going to take it game that. by game a lot more, take which is by game. interesting. Okay. So it sounds like he's serious about playing man-to-man defense. So I look at this, and I think it's it's the offense. I agree. It's the offense, and for two reasons. One, yeah, the zone might be difficult for some of the freshmen to learn and absorb on the fly like it was for the grad transfers or last year. Cole Swider, was he a graduate? No, he wasn't. Um, yeah, he no. was. No, he was not. He was not. Jimmy Beheim was. I'm getting confused now. This guy climbs all it over was, the map. But it was, I know. It was difficult for them to figure it out on the fly. And I think it's going to be difficult for the freshmen, too. On top of that, the only thing that you can really count on to transfer from prep school, from high school, is scoring ability. Maybe not shooting but scoring. And I think that a lot of these freshmen have that. That's fair. Uh, and I think it's a good point that uh, you agree with me. And I, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Samir Torrance here. Samir Torrance is a reliable three-point shooter or Benny Williams is a reliable three-point shooter. We talked about their playing time and now let's talk about their shooting because both were mediocre at best, very limited sample size for both. I think this one's like obvious. Um, okay. You, you that guy can't shoot, and I'm talking about Samir. Uh, the dude, okay. the dude cannot shoot. He couldn't hit uh, an apple if he fell out of an aircraft carrier, as Brad Klein might say. Um, the dude can't shoot. I mean, he just cannot. I'm sure there are. I believe that there are Syracuse fans who actually think they could beat Samir Torrance in a three point contest. If people are saying that about you. You cannot be considered in this conversation. Benny Williams, while he didn't show it last season, was supposed to be good at three-point shooting. I think nerves got to him a bunch, and he had no confidence on the floor a lot of the time. I thought, but did you see Symeers? Was not good, man. It was not good. Uh, I'm taking Benny Williams 100 times out of 100. Okay, I'm leaning towards Benny Williams here. I will say that in all likelihood... Let's just assume that for whatever reason, Joe Girard does not play every minute of every game this year because that's very difficult to do. I mean, he's probably going to average close to 40 minutes a game, but not many people can sustain that. So 
let's just assume for whatever reason it doesn't happen, right? He needs some rest. God forbid he gets hurt. Torrance is going to get some run with Judah Mintz, and obviously Justin Taylor will play too, but Torrance is going to get some run, so he will be asked to fill a role. They're not going to ask him to spot up shoot because that's not his attribute. That's not. What I think he's never going to shoot the basketball. That's uh, It's not what he brings to the table. All I will say is Benny's competition for looks beyond the arc may be a little bit more uh, or rather hard to come by than you think because of Chris Bunch. If yeah, Bunch but... plays, he will be the shooter in that position group. Now, you don't have to It's way more likely, though, that Benny is asked to develop a three-point shot than Saimir. Yes, yes. I agree. Way more I likely. I agree with you. I agree with you. It just might be a little bit more debatable than you think. All right, we've got one more here. This one's fun. JMA Wireless Dome is supposed to be high-speed internet, and we're going to take Syracuse's word for it. We also are supposed to take Syracuse's word for it that the AC works. It was pretty good last year. I think it could have been a little bit cooler, especially in the beginning portion of football season. So what's more likely, the Wi-Fi in the dome crashes or the AC breaks entirely and we go throwback with the heat? I don't know if they've moved in yet in that JMA's kind of uh, put their Wi-Fi in and put their name on the building yet. But when I was in Syracuse this last weekend for the McCartney concert, that Wi-Fi was the same as it ever was. Uh, it was terrible. So I'm going to say that it's way more likely that the Wi-Fi breaks down and is terrible because the AC was working for me. I don't know what you're talking about. I love the AC in there, man. It, it was it was okay. I just think it could have been a little bit cooler. I, I was think... cold in the dome for the first time ever last season. Hey, hey, you take that. Jamie Actually, 2020. JMA Wireless has supported SoFi Stadium and their internet. So I feel like if you can do – if you can handle SoFi – you can handle the dome in Syracuse. This should not be an issue. So I'm going to go AC here. I think that somehow the, the snow is going to pile up on the unit, and it's just going to be a disaster somehow. That's yeah, because they've never dealt with snow before, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a new system. It's a new system. Can it endure a second winter? Yeah, a third, actually, but yeah. A third. Yeah, there you go. All right, well. That's it for Locked On Syracuse. We end on a very educated note. Hey, uh, Bones <laughs> and Brad back tomorrow. We're going to talk more about Syracuse, but less about the air conditioning. We'll catch you later.